just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here on this Friday, and we have a story of hope for you today. If you uh, are facing addiction, or if you have a loved one who is facing addiction and it seems like there is no hope, well, you're going to get it today because you're going to hear the true story of someone who uh, went through hell in a lot of ways and took his family with him. Uh, but God is good, and he can overcome even the worst of things. And so I think you'll be interested. Um, my guests are Neil and Rex Williams, father and son. They have a, a new book out. Um, it's called Letters Home. looks like this. Uh, it's available wherever you get, you get it online. Uh, and and it, these letters are actually the letters between father and son uh, as the son went through recovery. Much more to the story, and you're going to hear it from them. So appreciate you guys being here. Judy, good to see you. Hope you're feeling well today. If you're watching live, you're invited to be a part of the chat. And, of course, if you watch it later, we always appreciate your positive, constructive comments as well, letting us know that you watched. Uh, Neil and Rex, great to have you both here on Life Today Live. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. So, uh, Neil, take us back uh, to what sort of led up to um, – the need to even be in recovery just so we can, we can understand these these letters going back and forth get us a little bit of your journey sure so the book starts off the book begins when i go to jail and when i um I, I get sober but prior to that leading up to where we start writing back and forth i was in and out of recovery um well in and out of sobriety should i say so I had a couple of bouts in 2011. So the book starts in 2013. At, towards the end of 2011, I was um, doing a lot of narcotics. I was drinking a lot and I was doing a lot of cocaine at that time. And I had reached out to my dad and to uh, a therapist I was seeing and sought some help. And so I went to a place in Dumas, Texas, stayed sober for a couple months came home and then right after i came home i started using again but we were also we had somewhat of a plan so i was transitioning into my own place i got a job and i was working so i was doing some of the things i was supposed to do but um just like always for me i always found a way to work uh, my agenda in so i wanted to do i'll do everything you guys are suggesting except stay 100 sober um, so I would, you know, sneak that in. I always had my plan. And so my plan eventually took over and I went from having my own apartment and working a stable job. And I was actually doing well at this job, uh, to selling methamphetamine, no longer working. Um, I lost that apartment. I ended up at a high speed car chase. I was a stolen vehicle. Uh, somebody I didn't know was driving and, um, another altercation after I had bonded out of jail, I ended up wrestling with a couple of police officers. And so there was just a series of events. And after that last one, I then found myself homeless, still using methamphetamine every day, um, managing to sell it actually while not having a place to live. 
So there's just a lot of chaos. And so everything and anything that could have happened in our lives and as far as uh, criminal stuff and just experiences had happened up to this point. So I'm exhausted from myself and I'm worn out from trying to make this work and try to figure out, um, I was just trying to fill a void Mm. and I got tired of searching and only finding emptiness. And so I'm exhausted. My dad has been through everything and he's long since said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. When you're ready to change, you let me know. But until then, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a step back because I can't be a part of your chaos. And so he and I were both at this point just done. And um, God was not, you know, he was there waiting. And so these letters and my going to jail was the best thing that ever happened. Hmm. It was the answer yeah. to a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I prayed for the first time in a long time on March 29th in 2013. And I just asked him if he were real to show up, you know, and I got arrested. So <laughs> not the way you're thinking probably, um, but that's okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. Rex, you know, I, I a lot of times when, uh, children do this um you know we wonder wow what what happened you know what happened to home you you provided a very stable home for your children uh in a christian environment did you not yeah we did you know i i, I really felt like i was the perfect parent <laughs> i know when he was very young i really thought you know i should write a book i've got two kids that are great i got a great marriage you know my professions oh, i'm doing great i should write a book and then Ten years later, you know, it's all hit the fan, and uh, my son's in jail, and it's it's not anything like I'd imagine. Yeah, we sent our kids to Christian school. We were involved in church. I was a Baptist deacon. You know, <laughs> I just thought I had it all nailed down. But then it came down to friends that Neil was associating with, and then these demons that Neil had inside, and he had to find a way to deal with those demons. And drugs and alcohol were his method of dealing with those demons. And they took over his life. And I was so confused because this was not a part of the life that I was acquainted with. I wasn't acquainted with alcohol addiction. I was acquainted with drug abuse. This wasn't a part of what I had grown up being accustomed to. So this was all new to me. This was a storm that came into our life and turned us upside down. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I have two sons, two daughters. And I can't imagine. Neil, what were the, what were the demons your dad's referring to? I had some, so real early on, I think 12, 13, I had a lot of nightmares and I had just dark thoughts. And so I started sharing some of them. And so I started seeing a therapist and kind of started talking to people, um, people at school and therapists and counselors and stuff about these things. And I felt weird. I just felt like the weird kid and the stuff that was going on inside my head, they, these thoughts got louder and I didn't really know why I felt the way I felt about myself. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the way I I looked. I didn't like the way my voice sounded. Um, I was a good looking kid and I was good at sports and I had a lot and I love people. I, I had lots of friends, but I felt so out of place. Um, I didn't know what to do. And so when I learned about alcohol 
and I heard about people smoking weed and feeling better. I wanted to know what felt better than this because mm -hmm. this felt awful and I wasn't doing anything. I just wake up to awful and that didn't sit right with me and I'm pretty impatient. <laughs> I'm still, I still have to work on that. And so I didn't wait around. I went looking for stuff and I found it. I, I found it and I found an entire lifestyle and community um, that will welcome you with open arms if you feel broken and lost. Mm. And we'll fill it up with all sorts of stuff. Um, and so that's what I sought and that's what I found. And um, it was, I did not know that I had a predisposition to, al to drugs and alcohol. Mm. I was born with something inside my brain that there's a switch that, that, that goes off when I drink or use. And when that switch is flipped, it says we're not going to be done until there's no more and we're not finished until the lights go out. And that just sounds rational to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found that I, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. I, I know others like that actually. Uh, and it's hard for those of us who aren't like that to even relate and understand. Uh, did you ever get any medical diagnosis or mental health diagnosis to maybe shed any light on that proclivity or even the dark thoughts you were having as a, an early teen? Yeah. And I think, and I see a lot of this with families that I work with now, we, so we did that. We sought medical help and a lot of the problems came when they were trying to diagnose me as bipolar, um, depression, anxiety, and this stuff when I was already using. So you can't diagnose someone who's under the influence. And if your child is not telling you what they're using, you're not going to know. And so a lot of times I was going to the doctor and talking to them and they're diagnosing me while I'm under the influence. Mm. So of course I don't feel right. And of course my thoughts are not healthy. And so it, it turned into a really big cluster because I was so dishonest and withholding and I was also, when they would prescribe me medications, I would try them for a couple days and I would, and I would feel nothing. And I would say, well, this is trash. I'm going to go get the stuff that works and that I can get right now. And so it was, it was very much that I had already found medicine. You guys are giving me stuff to wait six weeks until it works. And I, no, I'm just not going to do that. I like my way better. There's friends at, at my pharmacy. <laughs> Yeah, well, Satan does come as an angel of light. Um, yeah, and you know, you thought you'd found it, Rex. How, I mean, this is not uh, a sudden thing, or uh, yeah, I mean, this is a long battle you fought. What was going on? How well, yeah, this, this started when he, he was, I would say, fourteen, thirteen. He started to to smoke pot and drink, and it was we didn't know. We didn't know yeah. until uh, I guess he was 16 and I got a call and I got a call at 14. At 14? Is, is that Sonic? No, this is before that in some apartments. Oh, yeah. So, you know, even at 14, uh, these things were happening. And, uh, but there's one moment I remember so distinctly. I got called because he had been uh, arrested at a Sonic and grapevine with some alcohol and i i went there and i just couldn't believe that this was my son mm. this is my son that had been arrested as sonic for alcohol and i remember just sitting on the curb thinking what has happened mm. 
Hmm. How could this, how could this be my son? How could this be my life? How could this be me? Uh, and that was the beginning of 12 years of hell hmm. that just went on and on uh, until the age of 27 when he was in jail and decided to get sober. All right. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I, I, I'm curious though, Rex, I mean, <laughs> you're in church during this time. People start to know what's going on with your son. Uh, yeah. How did, how did the, your church community respond? Well, Admittedly, I think we kept it a secret as best we could for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then close friends began to know. And then we did have a close group of friends that were praying for us mm-hmm. all along. And that was a, a great support for us, that the close intimate friends that we would tell. Um, and so that was our support group. But we didn't talk a lot about it because, again, it just didn't fit the family that I wanted to portray. Sure. There, there, I wanted to continue to, to be this guy who had it all together. Uh, and there were people, when it was all said and done, said, man, I never knew this was going on with you. Even after we had the book that came out, man, I, I never knew. And so, yeah, we did a pretty good job of keeping it a secret, which was to our detriment in many ways. Oh, okay. Now that's interesting. Why do you say that? Well, because there was a lot of sport out there that probably we didn't plug into uh, in, in letting others know. But there was a sense of embarrassment that didn't want to face. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Neil, how did you survive 12 years of this? I, I don't know. I don't know. And. Actually, I attempted suicide on my 19th birthday. I tried to drive off of a ledge and a tire blew out right before I got to the ledge. And then a month later, I went into treatment for the first time, inpatient treatment. Um, And I was taking so much Xanax and drinking so much alcohol prior to going in there. Um, The second day I had a seizure and I hit my head, my heart stopped and it took several minutes for the ambulance to get there. So I was just laying there dead for a few minutes. Um, so I've come dangerously close and those are just two specific times that stand out. There've been many others where I've taken way too much uh, of this or that. Um, I am very resilient and (laughs) God made me with, um, you know, there's a fire in me that just can't go out. It won't. And, um, I'm very determined and I have that drive still today. It's just in a different direction. Yeah. And it's funny to see how God, he allowed me to go to the bitter end over and over. And he kept just bringing me back. And he it was, he was just saying, listen, I'm going to let you do this as long as you want, but we have, there's something for you and I need you to do that. And so whenever you're ready, whenever you're done wasting our time, you know, it'll be there. And um, I still see that very much coming to life today. Rex, how many times did you read that scripture, raise up a child in the way they will go when they're old, they will not depart from it? You know, and I hung on to that because, you know, Neil has a, a wonderful heritage. I have a, I, I'm Rex Renan Williams III, and Rex Renan Sr. was a, a man of God. Mm. My father was a man of God 
who, who loved God and, and pursued God and people knew him as a man of God. And so I wanted to be that man as well. And I know that that's the heritage that Neil has and it was, and it flows down to him. So I held on to that, that God had a promise and a purpose for Neil. And I wasn't going to let the evil one take that away. Hmm. So I held firm to that promise. Yeah, that's that's got to be hard. I, I honestly, I, that's it, it's one thing to go through something yourself. Uh, it's an entirely different thing for a child, a loved one, you know, your own flesh and blood to be going through it and to feel helpless at times. You know, and, and the evil one would would lie to me. I would have dreams. I I had this reoccurring dream that uh, I would find my son dead and dumped on my front porch. Mm. And there was nights that I would wake up in the middle of the night and just go look on my front porch to make sure he wasn't there Ugh. because I didn't know where he was. But mm. the evil one would say, would tell me that I'm going to win and I'm going to kill your son. And I was so thankful that that never happened, that God had the upper hand. Yeah. So, uh, Neil, was there anything that precipitated you kind of hitting rock bottom or was it just going to going to prison? Well, I was already a wanted criminal. I already had some warrants out um, and I was on the street, so I didn't have anywhere to go. But a couple of days prior to that last day where I, I prayed that prayer, I had woken up to the rain and I was sleeping in the bushes. And so I had my jacket zipped up and I had my hands in my pockets. I didn't have any gloves, so I'd keep them warm, put them in your pockets when you sleep. And when I woke up, I had one hand gripping a bag of methamphetamine and the other hand gripping a revolver. And I remember that that really settled when I woke up and I that just sat with me and I saw where I was and I really felt and it really resonated with me what I had become and what I was doing. And I had no relationships. Um, everyone that meant anything to me or that cared about me was distant and wouldn't allow me close to them. Um, and so everything had just run dry. Mm. And I, I realized that I had been chasing something that was not real. And so I said, God, if you're real, I, I need you to show up, you know? Um, oh, and my brother, um, my older brother had told me that I was not going to meet um, their child. They were pregnant with their first child. And, uh, he told me that he was not going to let me meet her because he didn't want me, want her to be around someone like me. Mm. So, um, you know, it was, it was then or never. <laughs> so tell me, tell me how you got caught. Did you turn yourself in or did the cops show up? <laughs> no. Just the yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would love to say that I walked in and I said, I'm ready, you know, take, no, it, I ran. I, I ran. Somebody had told the police where I was. And when they showed up, I ran. And it was like a 30-minute chase. And there was a bunch of people and dogs involved. And they found me in a doghouse. It was a lot of fun. So Yeah, I um, mean, honestly, you're lucky you didn't get shot there, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't take me gently, but they did not shoot me. And I'm grateful for that. I earned every bit of it. Okay. So that takes you to the place where the book starts. And this is the book Letters Home. Uh, what sh I know what an immediate thing, but what was sort of the journey home for you uh, that is expressed in 
your correspondence with your dad? You know, I there were a couple weeks after I got in there that I was settling in, you know, the fog's clearing and I just had so many questions and it was, you know, part of it, my dad and I were just enjoying being able to talk again mm. and being, because I was who I am for the first time in a long time. And so there was stuff we just want to talk about. We just wanted to hang out. And so he, he started coming to visit me because I was in County jail for almost a year and the county jail I was in was only like half an hour or less from where he lives. Mm. And so he would come up there and uh, we would have these conversations and that turned into, um, he said, you know, why don't we do something with this time? And I, I made it clear to him that I wanted to use my time to better myself and I didn't know what to do. And so he started giving me verses and uh, we would memorize scripture together. He would give me assignments. And so this whole journey to recovery started with just him teaching me how to be a man of God wow. because there was, he's not an addict. He doesn't understand that stuff and he doesn't need to, but he did understand how to be a father and how to show me how to be a better man. And so that was really how it started because when I came home, when, and, and I, it's important that everybody know this, a lot of our loved ones either go to treatment or they, uh, go to prison or wherever they go, having a plan for when they're released or when they come home is paramount. Mm. If you don't have a plan, you have nothing. And so we were really planning, but also working, working while I was away, but we had a plan. It was, okay, what does this look like in real time? And so that journey was very much planning, uh, planning to make myself available, work my butt off and let God do what he's been trying to do with me for so long. Wow. Rex, was the, was the hope real at first, uh, or had you kind of seen the ups and downs so many times that you just didn't know? Yeah. You know, uh, he called me, uh, I was in Phoenix, uh, with, uh, my in-laws for Easter 2013. And I got a phone call and said, dad, I'm in jail again. And it's like, okay, so what are you going to do? He said, well, I, I guess I'm going to do what you've been telling me and let go and let God. Well, I heard that, but I didn't believe it. Sure. And I said, well, okay, that's great. You know, and uh, but sure enough, a life had gone up. A switch had been flipped. And uh, I went to see him when we got home and uh, visited him. And I could tell that something was different, that he... He did want to make a change. And so we set about with the plan. And uh, I'm a father who, who likes to connect and relate and communicate. And I knew that it was important that the lines of communication be kept open. Mm. And so I would, I would visit frequently and, and, and I would, on the way to those visits, I'd just pray, God, give me words to say. What is it that I, how can I encourage him? And along the way, uh, we began, I began to give him scriptures to memorize. And I would memorize these scriptures and we'd quote them back to one another. I'd give him uh, passages to read. I'd, I'd pass along uh, books to read, uh, sermons to read. Mm. And these things began to fill his life with truth. And he began to incorporate those in the way he would think. 
and they begin to impact the way he would behave right there in jail because he began to realize it. He had a purpose right there he, where he was in jail. He could impact the people he was around there. So that that moment that he began to flip, the switch went off, his life began to change. Neil, there's something I didn't see in these letters, uh, and um, maybe you guys just edited it out, uh, but that is condemnation from your father. I don't see that. No. No, um, there was none, and that that is also something that I that I share with these families and I teach other families because that was the one reason that the communication stayed open and that our relationship, and I never felt that. And I, I got it from a lot, a lot of places yeah. because that's usually what you do. I mean, this guy's not willing to cooperate. He's doing drugs, cut him out, get him out of here. I mean, and I don't blame him. And he was, he was willing to stick around. Yeah. Where, where does that come from, Rex? I mean, cause that's, uh, I think that's, well, I think it's the grace of God on your life. It is. It is the grace of God. It, and I am a very patient person. My father was a very patient person. Mm. And so that gift of patience paid off greatly in this situation. But, but more than that, I love my son. Mm. And that love sees beyond his actions. I, could, I knew his heart. Mm. I knew the giftings that God had given him. I knew that he had a, had a purpose. It was way beyond drugs and alcohol and knowing that i i was not going on my watch i wasn't going to let that slip away mm. Mm. And i need to say something real quick because he wouldn't have felt that or known that if he didn't know me and with my son i need to know him i need to know him before something happens mm -hmm. because when something happens if I don't have a relationship with him and I don't really understand him or know what's going, how would I know how to help? And so people miss that. They miss that. He, in spite of all my decisions and all the crazy stuff I was doing, he still knew me and he still made sure he knew me and knew what was going on. So even when it came time to talk about this stuff, he, yeah, he wasn't involved in the thick of it, but he knew me. And so he was very qualified and I was willing to allow him to come in close Wow! because of that. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful picture of father and son, which I kind of connect honestly to God's love for all of us and his patience with us and his lack of condemnation and his desire just to want to help. And if, as James says, if we will draw close to him and he will draw close to us, there is something we have to do. But as soon as we do, he comes in in a way that, that's, that's more powerful than the worst of our circumstances. And it's a beautiful picture. How long were you in jail, Neil? 16 months. How, how did you get off that light? Yeah, so that was another thing. I, I should have been gone a lot longer. And for the first is it 10 months, is back and forth to jail or to court. And they were offering me like 10 years twice. Ten, yeah, offered me 10 years two times. They offered me seven years. I even, I countered. I said, what about five? I said, I'll <laughs> sign today if you give me five years. They said no. And I was like, wow. Because 
and this is just understanding some of the legal system and having some friends who have made mistakes as well. I knew that they were not taking it easy on me. And I was like, why are they being like this? And one day my attorney came up and he said, Hey man, you want to get some help? And I was like, for what? He was like, well, your drug problem. I said, well, yeah, absolutely. He said, well, they're saying you can go get some help. And if you do this and, and you complete the program, you can go back home instead of going away for it. And so at first I really did want a prison sentence because I could get paroled out and just be done with it and move on and go back to my thing. Yeah. Um, wow. So there was still some reservations, but I saw what he was doing and I'm glad I did. And uh, yeah, so, so God just showing up. 16 months. I, I it, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, and I've talked to you before, but, it wasn't like, hey, yeah, 16 months of a program and now I'm a whole person. I mean, this is, this, we're coming up on yeah. 10 years now since you were arrested. Yes. Um, what's What have the last 10 years been like? Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind. It's been amazing to see what God has done in 10 years. It blows my mind to see. I mean, this is a, a kid I was hoping could just get a, job at a fast food place and keep it mm. uh, and he couldn't even do that and, and now he has his own business and doing well it's it's amazing uh, what has happened in 10 years uh when he got out in san angelo and he began uh, step by step getting a job keeping a job doing well finding a better job being promoted uh building good relationships with healthy people one step on one step, on one step, uh, and now it's 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 a wonderful thing. Uh, Neil, yeah. do the do the drugs and alcohol ever call your name? Call you, try to get you back? Yeah, they do. And there's even I know this isn't it's a secular song um, written by a man. It's the lyrics. I remember someone had sent them to me right before I went away, and it, the lyrics are they keep calling me, they keep calling me, and yeah they do um coming up on 10 years and i share this with my home group i'm i'm still active in recovery that's another thing i got involved in recovery applied principles to my life built my life out and then started helping others do the same yeah and so my life has continued to grow and god has continued to work through me and so that's that's really how it's been so successful in these last 10 years um I forgot what I was saying. Well, that's okay, because I, I got to think that you know, you've seen the other side. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's got to help battle any thoughts, uh, inclinations, cravings, because you know, you know where that goes. They're much fewer and far between nowadays, and when they happen, they're so fleeting. Hmm. Like, I look, I walk in the grocery store like everybody else. I buy groceries for my home like everyone else, and I walk down that long giant aisle of nothing but beer and by the way they came out with like 40 different new flavors of beer when i quit drinking <laughs> i was it's like well thanks a lot now i don't get to try anything right. and so it's just funny because i see it and i think about it but i i remember everything else right you know and i remember the loss and i remember the emptiness and yeah. it just it's not for me well and you know you I, it would be a natural tendency, I would think, to want to forget the darkest times. But those are your now that you're not in them. Those reminders are are healthy. 
not only that, but they help me connect to people in their darkest moments. Wow. When someone sees me and then they start talking to me and they hear me share with them about trying to end my life and they're like, well, you don't look like, well, I'm not anymore. Right. <laughs> right. It wasn't yesterday. But so they can see, oh, I have a future too. Exactly. And there is hope. Yeah. And I love that. All right. I want to show people your website. This is Elevated Lifestyle Academy. Dot com, uh, and so you've you've touched on it a little bit and what you do now, but tell people what you do now because it's it's a beautiful, it's 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 the epitome of the scripture of God taking uh, you know all things which includes the bad things, uh, the yeah. mistakes, the the pain, the damage you know the hurt you inflicted on your family, um, and then turning them for good. And it's really good. Sure. So tell people what you're doing. Yeah. So I act as a consultant. Uh, we do case management. We also do life coaching. So we work with families who have young men um, who are either dealing with uh, mental health struggles or substance use issues. So we specialize and work with families who are struggling with addiction and substance use. Um, sometimes I just work with the parents and help them understand what's going on and provide direction and help them navigate things. In a case management setting, one of our guys works with the young man a couple hours a week, and then I'm working with the family as well. So that's helping them navigate, but getting much more involved and coaching them through things specifically. Um, and then on, um, on the life coaching side, when we work with these young men, we're giving them nutrition plans, we're giving them workouts, mm. and um, we're also doing music lessons. So we offer, sorry, the phone's ringing. That's okay. Hey man, you're already, you're already, people are already calling wanting your help. <laughs> we offer uh, drums, guitar. Uh, we even do some MMA and boxing stuff. So we give these, we're helping these guys transition from all of that mess into a brand new life. Because what we give, what we receive, when we get sober, it's a blank canvas. Yeah. When we walk into recovery, it's whatever you want it to be. And so we help them see that and explore. We help them find their lane. What's uh, what's your spiritual message throughout all this? Spiritual message is no matter. Well, our mistakes do not define us. Mm -hmm. Our decisions do not define us. And no matter, there's a part in the book where it says, no matter how how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our um, how our experience can benefit others. And so it's seeing how the worst of times can actually help us uh, build a better future and, and have a better understanding of our lives. Rex, when you look at Neil right now, um, what do you see and how do you feel? Well, there's a verse in Ephesians 3 that really sums it up. It's amazingly more than I could have ever asked or imagined. Hmm, wow. This is what's happened. God has done amazingly more than I could have ever asked or imagined. And he continues to do that. God doesn't quit. He loves our children more. We might love our children, but he loves our children more than I could ever love Neil. And he's pursuing Neil. I may be pursuing Neil. He's pursuing Neil even harder, bringing people into Neil's life to impact and encourage him. Even today, I still pray that prayer that God will bring people into Neil's life to speak word of truth and encouragement to him. And he continues to do that. That's amazing. Uh, guys, I, I love the faithfulness, the father, the son faithfulness, as well as God, the father to, uh, you know, his own, 
the faithfulness in Neo Man. Are, are you busy? Is this fentanyl crisis keeping you really busy? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. So uh, we just have to get more serious on the education side. And so I'm, I'm making some shifts and spending a lot more time trying to do more outreach yeah. just because people don't know. Well, they don't understand and they don't really want to talk about it. And unfortunately, we either talk about it or you hear about it later when it's too late yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, no, and, I, I, uh, I, know, I know families like that. They lost someone suddenly yeah. unexpectedly. It's well, awful. and so we also do, me personally, we do some uh, safe, sober transport. So we help uh, young men get to treatment safely. So we do that. And we also do some, I do some intervention stuff. And so, yeah, we there's so much going on and so many people who need help. Um, but I love what we do. And I get to wake up every day and talk to God and and let him put me to work. Appreciate both of you guys. Uh, I want people to check out the book uh, if you want just the encouragement. The, the book is actually very encouraging uh, as you see what's transpiring and, and really Rex's faithfulness to his son and, and pointing him to God and, and Neil's willingness to say, yeah, you know, um, I, I need to work through these things. I want I want things to change. Uh, I, I want God's purpose in my life to, to happen. And now, you know, it, it's happening every day. Uh, appreciate both of you guys. Is there anything either of you want to add before I let you go? Well, I think the book is just, you know, the scriptures are letters. And, and God is continuing to use letters to impact us. Mm. And this is what he did. He used letters to change a life. Just as he uses scriptures or letters to change lives, he used these letters to change lives. And I'm thankful that God is still busy about pursuing us and wanting to change us. Yeah, and I'd say if there's anybody, um, especially parents who feel lost and broken and uh, you don't know where to turn, uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk. And uh, for anyone who's struggling quietly, um, I'd love to hear from you. And nobody has to know that. So, um yeah, I just like to have that invitation. Yeah. If you do need help, do reach out. There's a website right there, Elevated Lifestyle Academy.com. Uh, Neil Williams. Uh, you can write those names down. Of course, you can back this up and watch this again. And if you know someone that needs to hear this, uh, whether just for the encouragement, maybe they're, they're a loved one that's going through it right now and they just need something to get them through the day, uh, or if you know someone that is ready to, to reach out and get help, hit that share button. Uh, because there is hope, and I, it's, I've, say, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again, the, the pain of this world is real. The addiction is real. It's, it's, it's hard. It's awful. But God is bigger than all of it. And today you've seen it. You've heard it. Uh, there's a testimony that you just can't deny. You look at Neil right now, 10 years, almost 10 years after you know going to jail, uh, and God has made something beautiful out of his life, restored the joy of the family, uh, in yeah. some ways rewarded the father for his Absolutely. faithfulness to his son, yeah. and he can do it in your life. So, again, if you know someone that needs to hear that, hit share. And come back. Uh, have a good weekend. We've got more for you here next week, more encouragement on Life Today Live. So come back and we'll see you. Surely you are ready now to believe it, to receive him and to receive the healing from body, mind, and soul.